When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's one thing that we say is just give Lewis Hamilton a half-decent car and he's going to show you what he's capable of doing. It was both a weekend to remember and forget for fans of the Mercedes F1 team as the Brackley-based outfit secured a podium place via Lewis Hamilton with a DNF for George Russell in Canada. The team looked to be maximised the weekend in the opening stages of the race until George hit the wall at Turn 9. So what happened with Russell and his car? Are we starting to see the true potential of the W14B and will Montreal be considered a success for the team? Join me, Balf Baines, on this episode of the Silver Arrows podcast as we discuss all the main talking points from the Canadian Grand Prix. And to help us do all of that is our in-house F1 tech head and lead engineer in the F1 space, Tom Fletcher. Tom, as always, good to have you back on the Silver Arrows podcast. Yes, yeah, it was a pleasure to come back. Good to see you again, Valve. Yeah, good to see you too. And joining us for the first time, we're very excited to have on on Twitter at FIA Gurley, otherwise known as Denny. Denny, hello to you. Hello. Finally. Nice to finally be around. <laughs> Thank you for having me. You are the most busiest person in the world, I think. So I'm so glad to have you on here. But let's get cracking. Let's get this party started. So as we all know, it ended up being a bit of a mixed bag for Mercedes this week with P3 for Lewis and a DNF for George. But let's talk about Friday and Saturday first. Free practice running was somewhat confusing after the postponement of FP1 and a load of rain. But generally, Tom, it looked like Mercedes had issues both with the bumpiness of the track and tyre warm-up. Yeah, so firstly, um, I'd just like to point out that this this is a, a rear limited circuit. So this is normally something that, that Mercedes would struggle with. And the, the type of corners being so low speed combined with long straights really is something that on paper um, they knew they were going to struggle with. So that being said, you know, I, was, I was going to into FP uh, free practice thinking maybe, you know, just, just step back a little bit, 
you know, it is what it is. We'll see. We'll see how the updates from Aston Martin will fare. But then it, it became a really odd situation where um, FP1 was was sort of cut short within minutes because of a, a CCTV issue caused by uh, what to do with the circuit marshalling or not being able to see the, the cars clearly or some, something like there was a lag or something, which basically meant that all of FP1 was then compressed into a, with an extended session. Uh, Mercedes choosing to, to go out uh, early to do their long high fuel runs, which actually maybe we're going to be doing. Um, particularly as Saturday turned out to be a little bit wet. So obviously that's cleaning the track, reducing the rubber that's laid on the track. So the early stints are going to be done on a green circuit, which is, I guess, what they were trying to do there, is replicate those. Going on forward into FP3, yeah, they really started to struggle with with particularly getting the tyres up to temperature, the intermediates, that is, which is bad news considering that the, the, the qualifying was coming up and it was looking to be just as wet. Jumping back to FP2, something I, I missed and it's quite important that I did notice that they both were struggling with understeer, particularly in the last chicane. You could see, I have a vivid memory of seeing George and Lewis really, really pushing on on the exit of the, the last chicane. Um, loads of lock on and then having to wait really to get the power down so i think this is something that, that i was worried about with the new front suspension and and the anti-dive that they've got actually lifting the roll center at the front up and causing this understeer in the slow speed they then have to then sacrifice that with reducing the, the amount of mechanical grip from the rear which then led them down this line of having this this wildly oversteering car again during the race in the drive yeah it definitely was a, an interesting free practice denny what was your thoughts where you were in terms of free practice for the Mercedes team this weekend? I think when it comes to like the bumpiness of track, normally the cars this year, the regulations, they're very stiff. And so you naturally feel the bumpiness of tracks and you'll struggle with that because everyone essentially does. But then the thing with Mercedes is our cars, the suspension issues that we've been having have made that a bit worse. And so this time around, we are not struggling as last year, for instance, or yeah, last year specifically where Canada was absent for us. But then, so I think for me, that was more of where I was looking in terms of the upgrade with the new suspension and where they're looking. But the rear was still lacking. And I think that's something that we might get into because Lewis did struggle with it a lot during um, Q3, I believe. Well, so during qualifying the race in particular. So in terms of bumpiness, it's just, it's there, but I think it's getting better. Um, tire warm up was a thing in practice that we did struggle a lot and for me it's just becoming an enigma because this time around cooler conditions seem to help in Barcelona they helped Soto Wolf was very much oh yeah cooler conditions helped but then cooler conditions here didn't help so I'm, I don't know where I sit when it comes to tire, tire warm up for Mercedes this year I feel like they don't understand it either I personally thought a cool Canada was going to help them with cooler conditions and tire warm-up, but then he doesn't. So I was sitting a bit on the fence as to what is happening. How are you overheating your tires so much? But overall, I think they did use the FB2 in a, a good manner. I think they used FB2 in a way that would benefit them later. And as Tom mentioned, they were trying to replicate because they knew the track was going to be greener after the rain. And so they were trying to replicate putting down the high fumes early in the session. I think that paid off because they knew how well the medium was going to work right on the opening stint, whereas everyone else was more of like, oh, yeah, we know how we're going to end the race, which is probably with a medium tire, which was what Max did. So, yeah, I think the sessions, it was a bit tricky not having FP1, but I think overall it just 
it just worked out well. Yeah, you make you made a really good point there. I don't actually think they were struggling with the bumps as much as as we we would first thought. I think yeah, particularly particularly um, from last year, they they were able to ride the curves a lot better. Um, car looking a lot lot more compliant in that respect. So. Yeah, I don't think the bumps really affected them too much this year. It is still a problem. It's not completely solved because Lewis did mention after that it's still something that they struggle with and they have to kind of take care of. But it's definitely looking a lot better and probably feeling a lot better as well. Yes, it was tricky. And Denny, you mentioned qualifying in, in, in your free practice answer there. So let's generally let's go on to that. So Q1 was fairly straightforward for both drivers, but Lewis had a bit of problem in Q2, didn't he? To be fair, I think one thing that people haven't mentioned is that Lewis was very, very lucky to get into Q3 because his first Q2 lap was what actually secured his um his place because he moved to Q3 in P10. Um, so conditions was something that people weren't really expecting. And teams, even though, you know, rain's coming, you just never know when the track is going to start becoming damp or when it's dry. So you're trying to stay on the dry patches if you're an interns because you want to make sure that you just using that tire as much as possible since they somehow turn into slicks at some point but then grid bunching up in slicks did cause a bit of a stir up in mercedes so lewis was a bit frantic like oh are we changing to slicks everyone's improving what's going on and we were very lucky that ferrari did mess up their timings as well so that's how lewis managed to get on the on the brim of q3 so i don't think he didn't put a second lap in q2 he didn't manage to improve anything because he went to slicks they had interns, they did the laps. So he went P4 and then dropped down and tried to do a lap on the interns. Wasn't improving. Everyone went to slicks. They did a change to slicks and it was like one minute, 55 seconds to go. And there was no improvement. So he went back to interns. And so he was very, very to actually make into Q3 because everyone else at some point also wasn't improving anymore. So conditions were very tricky. Um, I, I would call it luck. I would. <laughs> there's nothing. There's no other way to put it for me, because we didn't even see a second lap. Also, because he wasn't able to warm up his tires as fast as everyone else was able to do it. So we just we were lucky to have him up there. Yeah, totally agree. They sort of wrong-footed themselves uh, a little bit because of their tire warm-up issues. Normally, in a in a wet qualifying session, you'd want to fuel the car up for the whole session and be the first one on the track and just keep the car circulating because you never know when that track's going to be at the fastest. It could be, there could be rain coming, the, the track could be drying out, for example. So you never know. The problem that Mercedes are having is that everyone else wants to do that. So you end up with a big queue down at the end of the pit lane. So what Mercedes are doing is holding the cars in the garage um, with the with the blankets on the inters, which you're allowed to do. The wets, the extreme wets, you're not allowed blankets, but the, the, the inters, you're allowed to heat them to 60 degrees, which is what they were doing. And then sending the car out straight away so not to let the tires cool down. But then that causes an issue because then you're at the factory at your back of the pack, you're out of position. What eventually happened is, is they missed the, the slick window, basically. They had to complete their lap on the inters. The track became dry enough for slicks, that the slick was a quicker tire, and then having to make do with, with the inter time. Again, partly down to luck, but again, it's, it's the, the tire warm-up that really, really hampered them this time. You mentioned the slick window there, Tom. What, what's that? So the slick window is when the track... Or the, the lap times become become fall below a certain threshold that means that the slick is a quicker tire than the intermediate. Normally, you can you can sort of bring the slick out a bit sooner if you have good confidence in your car and your, and your driver is a good driver, be able to generate the, the temperature and keep keep the temperature in the slick and keep them working. Um, but it's a very very difficult skill. 
Uh, some drivers aren't able to do that. Okay, makes sense. Thank you for that, Tom. So the general consensus is that Mercedes camp seem to be one of has at finishing P4 and 5, of course, rising to P3 and 4 after Hulkenberg's penalty. Denny, would you agree with that or is that something different? When you have rain conditions, it's give or take in any man's game, basically, because you do have to time a lot with your team when you go out. If you're on the dries, it's quite easy the whole time to go into the garage, come out, you just put a new set, set of softs or whatever you're doing. So the plan is very straightforward. When it's wet, you kind of have to work around, track which sides are dry, is more rain coming, is there a slick window like Tom just explained. So I think finishing P4 and P5 was good because it could have gone the other way around. We could have finished P10, we would, maybe couldn't have gotten a lap in. And that would be our qualifying there. So we were lucky to be P4 and P5. Um, I think they were happy, not because that's the most the car can do, but because obviously in the circumstances you are, in the way that you put your car in and do you get a lap, do you not get a lap in, they were able to extract the most performance from the missions and not necessarily the car. Also because, you know, when the track's wet and you're in interiors or wet, you do go slower. So you're not looking at how fast your car can go. You're looking at how best you can extract from the conditions you have. So I think that was good. Um, even having Hulkenberg in P2 is just, it's not something that could happen on a random day on, on the drives because you'd have the Ferraris up there. You'd have a bit more battle with top teams. Uh, the Alpines would probably be up there as well. So good. I think they were happy because of conditions, not because, oh, this is the most the car can do, which... I think in previous races was where they were standing of, okay, we're happy with P4 and P5 because we wouldn't do more than this. Um, so I think we were happy. I mean, personally, on my opinion, is that they were happy because that's the most they were able to extract with the conditions, with the tires. They were heating, the warm-up problems, the track evolution, and then ran again, and slicks, and then interns again. And so I think that was the best they could do. And we were lucky that Hulkenberg got that penalty. <laughs> Because that red flag really came in handy. Not only the red flag, but also the fact that he didn't slow down after. <laughs> it did come in handy. Yeah, I think what one thing to to also note here is that both drivers in the top 10, whereas, you know, Red Bull, Ferrari, Aston Martin failed to do that. Yep. So I think from that point, straight away, fantastic result straight away. What's more, I think coming off the back of FP3, I think they looked like they were massively down on the inters particularly on the wets not so bad but the inters were they were a long way down so to come out p4 and p5 and then jump up p3 p4 is uh is really really great yeah, yeah definitely is a great result uh, moving on to the race then tom hamilton had an excellent start didn't he yeah it making full advantage of the the clean side of the grid it's a bit of a weird one here because the the, the racing line sort of tapers across the grid so you have half the grid having one side being the clean side, the other side being the dirty side, then switches sort of halfway down. But yeah, Lewis are utilising that and getting a good launch. Also, Mercedes are showing to be pretty good off the line anyway. But yeah, he was well clear of Alonso into the braking zone. So the move was sort of done before before even hitting the brakes. Um, so yeah, really, really good. Same same with George, really. Despite starting behind on the dirty side, manages to get a good launch. Uh, and then tries to send it around the outside of Alonso, just, just backing off into the chicane, probably the right thing to do because the gap really wasn't there. Good start from both drivers there. Yeah, definitely a, a great start. There was a post-interview with Alonso and Hamilton, and they were joking about their ages. And uh, Denny Hamilton did have a, a great start, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I think Lewis Hamilton's have always been iconic. I think if there's one thing that we know Lewis Hamilton for are his starts. And so 
the fact that he still has it to this day just shows that age doesn't really mean anything. You're kind of on that race craft. You're sitting on that. Yeah, that experience definitely can. So although Mercedes fancy their chances of another surprising double podium, of course, it wasn't to be after an uncommon messy race from George. Denny, what went wrong for him at turn nine? George hit the curb. He went a bit, in, a bit into deep on the right-hander of eight. And then he lost the rear and next thing he, and then this, these are his words, like next thing I know I'm in the air, I lost the rear and he's just in the wall. I think he didn't really expect it to be that big of an impact. He didn't really expect it to be that harsh because sometimes you can lose the rear and you can still catch it. But from the curb point to being in there and hitting the wall, there was no saving it coming into turn nine. Um, so I think it, it was, it was very Pretty straightforward. Um, from there, imagine his suspension would be damaged. So he was very lucky to actually make his way around, get a, a set of news and do the pit stop completely and do all the changes that he needed to do. It was just a shame that his brake actually just ended up oxidizing because from there he could probably do something. Maybe Alex Album did have a very good defending and kudos to him. His race was amazing. But it was it was actually very surprising to see George back on track again. I thought he would retire the car after maybe a suspension failure or something like that because he did complain that the car was a bit benty. But um, yeah, he went deep into the right-hander, turn eight, the curb. Sausage curbs aren't really your biggest best friends. So <laughs> trying to avoid them is also very good. But these drivers just always driving on the limit. I think that's one thing that happened. He lost the rear and that just... I wouldn't say it ended his race. It did kind of lower his chances of being in the podium or being up in the points. But um, what ended his race was actually the brake issue that he had. Yeah, I'd just like to point out that Max also made a similar mistake later on in the race, but I think probably because lighter on fuel, um, so he probably got away with it on that occasion. But I think this is something to do with Lewis, Lewis and uh, George's driving styles. I think that George's driving style maybe ran him vulnerable into, into clipping that curve because basically... Generally speaking, Lewis was was breaking a little bit earlier into eight, uh, sacrificing eight for the for the exit through nine, where they were struggling with in the traction zone to, to the other cars. So by doing that, Lewis is giving himself a little bit more margin, eight, and a little bit more width to that curb. So it's something that, that George became vulnerable to, I think, and especially with the 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 gusts of winds that were, were present at the time as well. Um, it's just left not enough on the table. Basically, I do think though that it, it did end his race i would have thought that the damage caused especially on the brake tin um, would have caused all kinds of um, brake heating issues that then ultimately led to to him having to retire so maybe there's other reasons but i think was the damage on the front as well i think it was it was rear brakes i think i think ted called it when when they came into box and you could smell well, the acrid smell of burning brake straight away so then obviously then if it was front brake then maybe maybe collected some damage there as well um, Possibly, i'm not too yeah. sure on what the actual cause of cause of retirement was i just knew it was some kind of brake failure so either way I, I would have thought because lewis had finished um and he wasn't really doing as much lifting coasting as say someone like alonso was um i think probably it was it was down to the impact of the wall Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So shortly after Lewis was investigated for an unsafe release involving Alonso that you mentioned there, Tom, it's pissed up about eventually getting away with it. We know Mercedes are a little slow on their pit stop, but Denny, operationally, this was actually them doing a really good job, wasn't it? Yeah, I'd say so. Even Lewis came on the on the radio and he did say a great job. And everyone thought it was sarcasm. But then if you remove Alonso from the situation, he was still ahead. If you remove the whole dramatic situation of it, I, I wouldn't see. Obviously, it's not our fastest. It's not um, fastest overall. But we do our... Our pit stops haven't been the strongest, I'm going to be honest. I don't know what's going on. Our pit stops haven't been the strongest in a year or so, but I wouldn't complain. The pit stop was okay. And removing that so much that the FIA ended up not finding any problems with it, no further investigation, but removing that little Alonso drama, pit stop was okay. I've, I've, I've gone from I've gone full 360 on this. <laughs> I, it's, during the race, I thought it was ridiculous for letting Lewis out like they did. Right. Uh, considering that the... Alonso had had the pace he had behind. It was inevitable he was going to get past. So I was thinking at the time, why why would you just sacrifice that pit stop and let Alonso through? And then having having woken up this morning and watched the replays, I actually I actually think that you know it was marginal and they they probably did the right thing. Track position is always king, and I don't actually think Alonso needed to break. If you look at it closely, it was marginal, yes, but. <laughs> Obviously, weaving the wheel around, trying to make it look like, you know, it was a dangerous release. But uh, I don't actually think it was it was that dangerous. So, yeah, I think they did the right thing there, actually. Yeah, Denny, I can see you shaking your head. Why are you, why are you shaking your head? <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> because if you actually look at the onboards, it wasn't that bad at all. Because Lewis, uh, I think even Bradley made a little analysis on, on his page and showed the images of what actually looks like when it's an unsafe release. Because the other other um, car is way past your maybe your mechanics, and then you're trying to get in between just so you don't lose that track position. Fernando wasn't near the the Mercedes garage by the time Lewis was leaving, so that he could have just just gone out normally, you know. And but entertainment that's what they like, I guess. So overall, then Hamilton had a great race and really seemed to be extracting every ounce out of the package, despite some issues. Denny with the rear end of his car. The rear end has been nasty, to quote Toto Wolf. Um, this has been going on for a bit. We lack, and I think going into a slow speed, slow corners track just emphasized that a bit more because you don't have as much confidence going into the corners, coming out of the corners. So you see that a bit more, you hear that a bit more, you complain a bit more. And like Tom said, Canada is a rear limited track. 
Uh, Mercedes, I think they were expecting to be in that position, um, maybe not as much as they were. And I think it's a positive thing in a way to notice these things in these tracks, because if you just constantly or if you had a run of just Barcelona, Silverstone-like tracks, you would never notice these little details that you have to, you have to fix. So obviously with the cost cap, you might think, right, what are we prioritizing? Maybe downforce. Now we have more downforce. So what are we looking after next? Suspension. We're changing the suspension. So for what we have, I think Lewis worked really well with it. Um, we saw him battling from the start, even the amount of times, like for as long as he was able to stay in front of Fernando, that was very good. Fernando was within DRS soon after the start. He was behind Lewis's back. He was there for quite a few laps. So he managed well. He used the mediums very well. And so I think it would be very positive and I would definitely agree to say that he had a great race and did extract a lot with what the car um, is able to do. There's one thing that we say is just give Lewis Hamilton a half decent car and he's going to show you what he's capable of doing. And that's exactly what he did in Canada. Uh, the the slow, slow speed tracks were always going to be a, a, an issue. Um, they're always going to show our weaknesses. I was going to show our weaknesses. So I think moving forward is just pick, pinpointing where these issues come in and then just looking forward like, okay, next year, Canada, we need to make sure this issue is no longer here because we know in the fast tracks, we're already doing very well. But he did really great. For me personally, I think I think it's a general consensus that he did well, actually. It was great for me to just be able to... to see Lewis Hamilton back again. I think it's it's been it's been a long time since I've been able to sit there and go, yeah, that's Lewis behind the wheel of that car. And and it really came out in this race, especially with him on the mediums, really hustling the car and just looking racy. Another thing that I noted is stint on the mediums is really, really good, really good. He came out of the box a little bit tentative in order to bring the tires up into their working window rather than something that we saw maybe at the start and, and the second stint on the hards where he was being pressured and then having to, to step on the pace straight away, which causes a, a bit of problem with, with your tyre preparation, particularly as you're looking at, at gently warming the tyre to where it needs to be rather than spiking the temperatures up and down all the time. That's that's what causes the graining. So yeah, that his early six laps coming out of the pits on the mediums is, is what I think led to him having a really, really strong stint on the mediums. I think it was also really interesting to see them be ahead of the Ferrari on their like and by merit because it's a dry race you don't you're not looking at interns in full wets the strategy for Ferrari this summer around is actually really good and so when we pit the second time for the second mediums because the hards weren't really great on us so when we pit the second pit stop Bono did tell um Lewis because Charles was already in our window he was already attacking for a P a P3 and Bono did tell Lewis like now that Charles has pitted it's hammer time like you can't there's nothing else to lose here is just bringing it home. And so to see us pull those five seconds ahead of Charles and battle Fernando ahead, or at least try to chase down Fernando because the gap did start to reduce at some point, is really good. It's just like showing that Mercedes is slowly bringing a card that can fight for top three every single time. And we're not longer focusing on, oh, what if Alpine has good straight line speed this time around? What if Ferrari this and Ferrari that? And fair enough, maybe it's a caveat to note that Ferrari hasn't been the greatest this year. They feel like they're going back a little bit, but to see us solidify a P3 and maybe solidify a third in terms of like where we're fighting with Arsens and Red Bull, that was really awesome to see. And obviously only Lewis Hamilton will probably be the driver to make you realize that. Yeah, the signs are, are looking good. And Lewis was also unlucky to be pipped to the fastest lap right 
by the end by uh, Checo Perez. So it's all positives coming out of this weekend. But Tom, do you think Mercedes weekend was a success overall or in hindsight, perhaps a little disappointing considering the position they found themselves in? Well, first of all, I think this, this circuit really suits the Aston Martin. They've shown to be, have to be really good on the big stops. So their braking performance is, is we know to be good. Um, they're good in the slow speed Monaco, for example, um, and the traction zones again, Monaco. So yeah, I think to be only what one to two tenths a lap behind them on true race pace, I think it's it's a very good sign. They have obviously taken a step forwards with uh, with one of the biggest upgrades that they've brought um, to, to to the car. That considered, yeah, I think I think it is promising. I think something that I. I can't see any circuits like Canada around on the calendar. So I think it's going to be, it's a good sign. Definitely a good sign. Oh, I was going to say, I think Mercedes are really good at managing expectations of both fans and themselves, I think. And so when they were coming into Canada, they were re- already waiting for, okay. And I remember James Allison coming out and saying, we might be fighting with the Alpines because they're looking really good, fighting with the Ferraris. So don't really expect a massive performance. We're not expecting ma- massive performance because this is not the kind of track that we're ready to to be good at. So for them to then be as competitive as they were on Sunday, for them to be able to actually be a threat to Aston Martin at some point because his Alonso's engineer did come on radio say, well, look, he's 1.9 behind. Surely he was co- lifting coasting and he was managing because of his issues. But for us to even be in that length, in that conversation, in that gap, I think it was it was positive. I wouldn't if you have if you set your expectations low, anything after is just really great. So I think that's what they did. <laughs> And our podium was great. When they were around one, one to two tenths, it was it was early on. So when uh, Alonso wasn't really struggling with with the brake issues he had, so mm. um, that's that's what I mean, that's what I meant by one to two tenths. And I think yeah, going going into that last stint, Lewis was was much quicker actually, and then and obviously using up all of his tyres by the end. Also, another thing to bear in mind is that by the end of this month, Aston Martin are going to going to lose twenty percent of their. Uh, CFD and wind tunnel allowance, which is the biggest hit on any constructor. So something that, that Mercedes has been working with at the, at the moment, we're seeing good good progress with their their aero development at at sort of eighty percent. Whereas you know the, all the developments we've seen so far from Aston Martin have been with the full hundred percent of their aero allowance of CFD and wind tunnel time. So basically, they're using up their CFD time. You know maybe Mercedes are a little bit more efficient in in that respect. So it would be good a good thing to see how efficient they can become with their aero testing. I know we're a Mercedes-focused podcast here, Tom, but do you think with the reduced time for Aston Martin, do you think it will affect them for the rest of the season? Yeah, absolutely. So I think what I was trying to say is we're seeing good progress from Mercedes at the moment with their, their development. Their developments are working. They've taken the biggest step, surely, out of any constructor. Uh, Aston Martin have had this period of time where they've had more resource to develop their um, aerodynamic performance. So I think as that sort of tapers away from them they might struggle a bit more with bringing uh, more consistent updates to the cars and also bear in mind that i think we're promised a really big update package for silverstone in a couple of races time so it's it's looking really good for mercedes at the moment yeah it definitely is looking selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. 
Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Good. Another point to note, Tom, is there was another Mercedes customer engine power unit failure in the form of Logan Sargent at Williams. So, Tom, do you think this is a, this is a growing concern? the Mercedes team? Well, first of all, I'm not sure if it is a power unit failure. I don't know if that's confirmed or not, but the way they came on the radio suggested to me that it was either some kind of hydraulic issue or some kind of water temperature issue, something that, that came up on the data. Normally with a PU failure, there's, there's no sign until it's happened, but they there was vital signs that this, this was failing. So I don't know if it's confirmed to be a PU. I think we, we're going to have to wait for the post-mortem. But yeah, I think... Lots of those systems, like the, the pneumatic system, the hydraulic system, the rads and cooling is all, I would have thought, designed in-house. So it's not something that, that, that Mercedes are going to be dealing with. So in that respect, I don't think it's it's a major problem. That's good to know. That's awesome. So, Denny, do you think with the upgrades of the W14B, are, are you happy with them? And do you think there could be more performance extracted from everything that the upgrades bought? I think it's a good step forward. I think that's... What summarizes it is it's a good step forward, but it's a very good step forward from what we had. Um, and is this is something that I keep mentioning is okay, we're not winning, we're not at the front front of the grid, but if you compare it to last year, the car is less bumpy. We're able to ride the straights um without worrying about the driver's backs. I think there is a lot more to come with the cost cap. There are limitations. They do need to change the geometry of the car. Lewis has complained about the cockpit and where it's placed. There are characteristics of the car, and this is something that Lewis did mention. There are characteristics of this car that don't allow them to upgrade it to a championship winning car or a championship fighting car. So there are things that still need to be changed that can only be changed next year for the new car because you're you're unable to change a whole new to bring a whole new chassis. So there is a lot to still be extracted from it. But I think what we have so far is a very good step forward. I think Canada would be the expectation measurer because if they did badly, if we saw them maybe in P5, P6 and not able to score points in a podium, you'd say, oh, well, maybe the upgrade wasn't as great. It's just the Mercedes being good in tracks they're good at, which is Barcelona, Silverstone, fast tracks. But being fast in Canada, being good at Canada, getting a podium in Canada and a back-to-back, I think is just shows how much work has been put in and the changes are actually paying off. But to say that there's not a lot more to be extracted, I think it's a fallacy. There's still a lot of work to be done and there's things that I think you can pinpoint, like, okay, we have downforce, but what about X, Y, Z? And I think that's what they're going to start working on for next year's car. There's not a lot we can expect for this year. There's still two upgrades coming. But if fundamentally you're not changing what actually stops your car from being at the front, you're never going to be at the front, even if you have a good car. 
Um, so I'm I'm hoping for more <laughs> next year. But right now we're I think we we did a very good step forward. Yeah, sure. I'm excited for next year. Really, really, it's it's looking good. Really, because you know this is a heavily heavily compromised car, and to have this much performance is is something that's it's really really remarkable. I think things like the seating position, maybe the, the fuel tank, for example, the exhaust primary routing, all heavily compromised to what make that no side pod design work. So yeah, effectively all of the car is squeezed down the center line of the car, making you know the CFG higher, which could be affected in, in the slow corners, for example, particularly when the tank's full, something like that. And maybe they don't have the, the resource to, or with the budget cap to, to actually fix things like that. So, yeah, it, for me, it's, it's looking it's extremely positive for next year. And I'm, I'm very happy. And now speaking to you both, it seems like the confidence is beginning to flow again at Mercedes. Lewis was positive at the end of the race. And even prior to that, technical director James Allison said, can this car become competitive enough to win a race this year? I'd say yes, it can. Can we, if we do the right things over the remainder of this year, be in the championship fight for the following year? Even more so, yes. That's got to be music to Mercedes fans' ears, hasn't it? Yeah, they, they know what's coming. They know that they've got upgrades coming for, for Silverstone, for example. They're, they're maybe a step ahead of Aston in, in that respect as they're sort of falling behind, only, only just bringing their big update in for Canada. Yeah, they, they know what's coming. I can see all both drivers are, are looking more positive, Lewis especially. He's, and it's, it's also it's coming out in his driving as well. He's, he's looking really, really racy. And yeah, it's, it's good to see the old Lewis back, I think. I think one thing also worth noting is that last year Mercedes was having, I mean, since coming out with the W13 and the no pods and all of that they were having issues with their correlation in the simulator so they at some point of the season they started bringing upgrades without knowing if they're gonna work so it was just okay change this on the floor let's see on track because the simulations weren't correlating with the results that's one of the reasons why they were so um, adamant that the zero pods could work or that the performance wasn't in the side pods which I still think they're not, but the reason why they were so adamant on it is you don't have, your simulations are saying something and it's really fast and, oh my gosh, we're doing so well here. But then when you go on track, you're struggling. So now Total Wolf came out after Canada and said, well, correlations are finally similar to what we see on the simulations. And that's very good. And I think it's very well, I think we needed that. We a, a team without simulations that correlate to what you see on track is basically a useless F1 team, especially when you spend so much time of everything you test in the simulator before you bring it out on track. And so, like Tom said, they have they know what they're, they're bringing. They know what they're cooking, as we would say it on Twitter. They know what they're cooking, what they're bringing in terms of upgrades. And so for them to actually be certain that what they're going to bring is going to work now that they've seen the upgrades in Monaco. And it was actually, I think, good to see the upgrades in Monaco first before they saw it in um, Barcelona or a fast track because now you know okay it works right it works even if it's not putting us in P1 it's doing something and so from here it's just about development and really excited to see what comes after eight races of this season we are we are optimism is flowing through our veins Tom Denny it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for joining us here on the Silver Arrows podcast yeah cheers Bell. thank you pleasures all mine And that's all we have time for this week. A massive thank you to Denny and Tom for joining us. Their social media handles are in the show notes. 
And thanks to you for listening. Do remember to follow us on Twitter at MerckF1Pod and hit that follow button in your podcast app. If you're enjoying these episodes and feeling extra kind, drop us a review and share this episode with anybody who you think may enjoy it. We'll see you again soon.